Hello and welcome to another episode of Black Broadway Podcast with me Ainsley. This week I'm pleased to be joined by the lovely Abdi Diwali. He is a newly elected member of the National Executive Committee for the Labour Party. He joined us to talk about the state of politics in 2022, about his work in the Labour Party and what we can do to increase representation at all levels in politics. Welcome to Black Broadway Podcast, Abdi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Very cold. <laughs> I had to put oh, yeah. on today. Freezing, yeah, <laughs> freezing. Um, like last night when the when the snow started falling, I was like very odd. The snow started falling and it and it was staying, it was like sticking to the ground. Yeah, yeah. You know, you knew it was gonna come down heavy. I was at a restaurant and I hadn't paid attention to the window at all and kind of left and just thought, oh god, what's happened? <laughs> and I wasn't yeah. wearing a purple jacket or anything like that. So the walk home was cold. I but, can, uh... Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So yes, um, before I start every podcast, I always like to ask, like, if they can say one thing that makes you feel joyful or brings you joy. That's a that's a very good question. Um, I've got to say, probably my voluntary work is is something that gives me a, a lot of joy. It's different to the polit- political stuff that I do, but also different to um, my job, and I take really good pride in it so i i help out uh with the refugee um community kitchen rck who are a really good charity uh and food bank who provide hot meals for refugees um so i always enjoy that tend to spend um some of the weekends doing it although we'll be i've not done it for a while so i need to i need to i need to get back on it and and do it more regularly but it gives me joy you know seeing helping people and giving them uh giving them something warm to eat but also you're listening to them and their stories and their journeys because they're such interesting people and you're speaking to them and it's yeah it, it makes me feel a little bit better about myself excellent amazing i think any kind of voluntary work that you can do however much time that you can spend um to try and help people try and give back to the community it's something obviously everyone should like champion should try and do whenever they can yeah definitely 100 percent. it's just like it's a small thing but like you've spent 30 minutes doing it like it for me it's a game changer that's those 30 minutes in a week yeah absolutely um i've like he would there done like little bits of voluntary work myself but it's never been like it's never been so prolonged so we've been like bits here or there to try and to try and help out not because i live in london now but i'm not from london and i, I like i work in the community that I, I do live in but sometimes i feel like a bit of a gentrifier so me yeah. doing something to help people yeah, yeah i yeah. feel like it's just like one box that's like you're gentrifying and one box you're actually helping people it's like going towards like the, um that that tick that tick in the right in the right one for me <laughs> it, it is I, uh, yeah i i get that to be fair i um i live in south london now but i'm, I'm from west london so i don't think it's too dissimilar but yeah i, oh, I well, no, you're a londoner that's it's different it's different yeah. for you yeah <laughs> So you're in yeah. South London. What part of South London are you in? I I, I live in uh, just between Vauxhall and Waterloo. So um the north, oh, north okay. part of Vauxhall. So yeah. Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. Um I am in South West London in Streatham. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, That's yeah. Peace, by the word. I've been in London for about eight years now and I've only ever lived in South West London. I've not been to any other part. Yeah, any other part of London. <laughs> I moved in three years ago and I've properly got the South London like uh obsession. I completely understand it now. It's just it's just an amazing place. North London has nothing on it. Oh that's it's controversial. Yeah, it's, it's controversial. <laughs> that's um, that's recorded. You can't take it back now. No, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be on a Twitter well, post at some point, don't worry. Maybe. 
But yes, um, so I was particularly interested in talking to you because um, I know that you are a member of the uh, National Executive Committee for the Labour Party. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. And I kind of think that like, when it comes to uh, politics, politics, politics in this country, I think like we always get like very caught up in kind of like the national, like the national news. But like, I guess the part of the Labour Party you're into, that's like the inner workings of, of the Labour Party. Yeah. So anyone who's come across the Labour Party will know it's an incredibly bureaucratic and big internal structure. Um, and it partly comes from the fact that the Labour Party was set up by lots of different groups who came together. So mainly trade unions who decided that the best way to to actually improve workers' lives was actually by um, the ballot box and actually electing Labour MPs. Um, and it was also set up by the Fabian Society, which is a think tank focused on policy. So you get those two together. What comes out of it is lots of committees, lots of structures. Uh, and, and, you know, the way the Labour Party decides even on manifestos or or, or candidates, for example, all comes through the through the NEC and other structures of the party. So the National Executive uh, Committee of the Labour Party is made up of 40 odd members. Um, there are nine seats on on the National Executive, which are open to any member of the party who can stand. Um, and that's one of the positions I was uh, elected onto in September. Um, I became the first black man to ever be elected to Labour's National Executive, um, which is obviously a great thing to celebrate, but well overdue. And you know, the fact that it's taken us 122 years of the party's existence for this to happen uh, really does say something, but it also says about how much the party is moving uh, forward. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about the national executive. Quite a lot of the things we do is like the governance side of the party. So, you know, mm -hmm. making sure that we're election ready, you know, making sure we're signing off the manifesto, but also that we are vetting uh, candidates uh, and selecting high quality candidates um, in, in elections, general elections, regional and local ones. Yeah. So you mentioned just now that you are the first black man to be, uh, to be appointed as an NEC member. What are the, that originally made you want to stand? Yeah, there was, it was highlighted. Uh, so Labour's um, national executive elections are every two years, they're two-year terms. So in 2020, two black men, uh, Jermaine Jackman and Terry Paul, both stood. And they uh, then there was a, a group uh, called the 1987 uh, Caucus, who... Yeah. Uh, mainly around the 1987 election of, of four black MPs, um, did some research into NEC election results because they had thought someone had been elected to the national executive back in the 80s, but they found that that wasn't right and it actually there'd never been a black man on Labour's NEC and it was highlighted strongly at that uh, time. At the beginning of this year, I uh, that's when you kind of consider whether or not you're going to do this and I'm part of a group called Labour to Win who are kind of supportive of Keir Starmer and his leadership and um, decided that I would give it a run uh, and I would run under their banner. Um, you know, they were conscious of it as well. They were conscious that a black man had never been elected to Labour's NEC and, you know, they thought I had a good chance um, having been a Labour activist um, and, you know, <laughs> full on on Twitter um, that yeah. I'd have a decent chance um, of of being elected. And they were right. And that happened uh, in September. Yeah. So since you've uh, since you've managed to get on the committee, like uh, what are like what are the main things that you've been doing so far? Yeah, so we get um, so it's voluntary, so it's just like any other like if you're a member of a board or a trustee, for example. Um, so we have uh, every two months we have a big NEC meeting that uh, they are they are notorious for sometimes going up to eight hours long um, because you know everyone loves a loves a loves putting their 
putting their two p in. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, and but in between those, we have other subcommittees. So an equalities one focused on equalities work. We've got one that's focused on elections and selections. Uh, we've got ones that are focused on disciplinary processes. So it's kind of you can do as much as you want. You can do more. And any team members are always asked to volunteer to sit on interview panels where they're interviewing candidates um, for parliamentary selections. Sometimes we might be supporting in council selections. Um, so you can read as much as you can. And uh, since I've joined, I've hit the ground running. I think I've done more of a dozen, more than a dozen panels now where, you know, you sit on a panel and you're interviewing up to 10 candidates for a constituency and, you know, spending 30 minutes with that candidate, asking them questions, going through their due diligence and and their backgrounds. So it's it's kind of I've gone in the deep end of thinking, OK, I've been elected. Now I'm going to do as much as I possibly can. But I think yeah. they're all up to Christmas. I'm doing a bit less now. So uh, just enjoying yeah. the end of period. No, of course. But anyone who knows me knows that like I am a member of the Labour Party. And I've basically been like a lifelong um, Labour voter myself. And I kind of think that um, in the last few, in the last year or so, with, I don't know, with the COVID, for instance, with the cost of living crisis, with um, Ukraine, kind uh, Ukraine war, I think kind of um, politics has played more of a role in people's lives than it did before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and it's kind of that is one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of be someone like you today who could, like can try and help me understand more of like what Labour what Labour Party's vision is to kind of get us through the door to um, get I think everyone to win over the hearts and minds, so to speak. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, I kind of a year ago this time, the Conservatives were still ahead in the polls. Yeah, Boris Johnson was still Prime Minister, and actually, we're speaking on the third anniversary of the 2019 um, election result. And if you ever told me at that moment, um, at that election result, that Labour would be even anywhere near government, I would have asked totally to have a nap <laughs> mm-hmm. have a cup of tea and uh and and stop dreaming because we were just so far we were we had our the worst results since 1935 for the Labour party reduced to 200 odd mps um but what we've done now is the last three years actually tidy the party up so look at where we were going what our mission is who we want to talk to for too long we've been talking to ourselves and actually just not convincing people that you know labor is good enough to govern um and i think we've won back some credibility especially on areas like the economy on defense on other areas as well that are quite important and now you're seeing that the electorate are willing to hear what the Labour party has to say so in the next year uh, um, or the next 18 months in the next election the big focus is going to be on what are we offering the country what policies do we have and you saw some of that last week when gordon brown announced a set of new reforms uh, to the constitution for example the house of lords and how we how we elect um uh, it's not how you elect how you appoint house uh, members of the house of lords um you saw that was a big offer from labor that could radically transform how how the constitution of the uk works but at conference you also saw you know Keir Starmer introducing you know uh, a policy to create gb energy a wholly owned energy company for the for the country and you saw so many uh, policies on housing, on education, on the NHS as well um, that we announced in our conference. So it's it's there's more to do. There's definitely we're not definitely there yet, but I think the next eighteen months are going to be crucial. And how the Conservatives respond to the economic crisis that they partly 
yeah, not partly. They are entirely responsible for actually. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. Uh, and I think it's calling that out. I mean, it wasn't. I think there was a fact. There was a stat today I saw that Rishi Sunak has now been a prime minister longer than Liz Truss. I mean, it's just extraordinary to think we've yeah. had three Conservative prime ministers in only one year. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't see the trouble getting less for them. I can. I can only see it growing. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, that you mentioned the um, 2019 election. That's kind of the one that changed everything. Mm. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday. And um, I, whenever there's like, um, whenever there's like big, like national things that are going on, I always go to my local pub and mm. we sit and watch the, and watch the exit polls from then. And that's kind of when the first exit, when the first exit polls came out, it's like the writing was on the wall. At the time, I I think everyone expected there to be a conservative majority, but I don't think people expected there to be a conservative majority in quite the way it happened, quite the way it was before. Yeah, I completely agree. And also, no one looked at Boris Johnson and thought, you know, you are a credible um, option for prime minister. But, uh, you know, it's sad to say, but I didn't think Corbyn was either. And I think um, that's where the Labour Party went wrong. I mean, you know, uh, the 2017 election result was mildly better than the 2015 one, um, but we were nowhere near. And the polls were very indicative for a while that Labour were heading um, for another defeat. And we sat back and just let that happen. Um, And I think if we took better action at the time, the Conservatives are ruthless when it comes to their leaders. Um, and that's why they stay in power because they they will do anything for it for, for to stay in power. But um, in the lay party, we're not. Our culture isn't really like that. It's very much let's see how far you go as opposed to can you actually do the job. Yeah, I think so. Um, from my perspective, I, I said like just uh, I'm like a lay person, but uh, like I said, someone who's like very interested in like the Labour Party itself. Um, I actually voted for Jeremy Corbyn on both elections as the, in the um, in the leadership elections. Um, the first one, I think that he said it was twenty fifteen, if I'm mm. correct. And then um, he had a challenge to his leadership. Yeah, a, a year after, I think it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I voted, I voted for him both times. I think a lot changed. So for me, a lot changed with Jeremy Corbyn at the beginning of twenty nineteen. I think um, after the Brexit referendum, and I thought that um, the Labour Party's response to that was really not acceptable for a party where the majority members were so heavily remain. I didn't really hear that coming from the Labour leadership. Yeah, that was um, that was like one kind of like tide that started to shift with me, and obviously there was um, a big issue with anti-Semitism. And I think, like, I don't really want to get into a discussion on, like, whether Jeremy Corbyn is or isn't isn't mm. anti-Semitic. But I think the problem was that there was a lack of leadership shown. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. On anti-Semitism, I think it's it's the the people that he enabled, which is the worst bit, than the party's response to it. I don't know if you remember 2018, the Labour Party had a whole summer where we were banging on about whether or not we should accept the definition of anti-Semitism set out by Jewish organisations. It was just extraordinary that we spent three months in a summer where you would have thought the biggest focus would have been speaking to voters and winning people back. We literally spent three months literally just talking about whether or not we accept the definition Jewish people gives to their own prejudice. And 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 that, was, that wasn't good. Brexit was another factor as well. I think um, we came out on uh, like a second referendum really, really late, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a whole hard to remain it. But actually, like, I, I thought if we're going to go for a remain option and call for a second referendum, just do it. Um, but the fact that we spent, again, another month of, you know, kind of 
being very, very ambiguous, I don't think it helped. Um, and, you know, Keir Starmer was, was partly uh, responsible for moving the Labour Party into a position of supporting a second referendum. Uh, and I, I agreed with him on that. I thought it was hugely important but because the Tories were messing it up. The Tories were tearing chunks out of each other. They didn't have a majority in Parliament and there was no clear majority for any way forward. So common sense dictates, then send it back to the people. And I think that was a position that I, I certainly supported. But... I mean, when three years down the line, completely different. Well, we've left the European Union. We've had a pandemic. We've had war in Europe. You couldn't, yeah. you could, just couldn't foresee these things in 2019. Yeah. Um, one thing about that, actually, about Brexit, especially now, like all these, uh, all these years later, is that so? Um, I I went to. Uh, they had like second referendum. They had a protest for it in uh, that went to Westminster, which I joined. I went. I joined two times. I'm not sure in hindsight how much that how it happened, how wise that was. I guess just just speaking on a, on a personal level, how how wise that was. But I I agree with that. Like with the fact that the government was just really making a mess of the Brexit negotiations. I think it became clear that like people voted to leave, but what that looks like in real in real terms, nobody knew. No nobody knew when they were campaigning for it. Nobody knew well when they were in the negotiations until afterwards. But there is still the issue of like, if the majority of the country wants something to happen, is it like, is it is mm. it right? Should we should we just want to have another one if we don't if we don't get a result that we like that we like? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I kind of I've come to the position in hindsight it was actually a bit a bit of a non-starter because you're saying to majority of the country, no, you were wrong to it again. Yeah. At the time, I thought it was the right thing to do, but in hindsight now, and this is why the Labour Party's message on this has changed as well. You know, we've left the European yeah. Union now. Yeah. We're going to have to try to make life outside of the EU work, um, but that is not treating the European Union as if like they're, they're our enemies. They're our neighbours and our allies ultimately. And, you know, we're going to have to resolve some of the issues with, you know, kind of um, immigration um, and actually getting more people to come and work in our economy, which is a good thing. Um, and also like having those closer relationships on defence, because we've seen how important defence is now, given given uh, the situation in, in Ukraine. Yeah. So one of the things actually about, um, I think in the last, I'd say in the last six to 12 months or so, um, I would say that Keir Starmer in particular has been um, a lot more vocal about different aspects of, of government that he would want to change or would, uh, would want to happen if and when the Labour Party is in government. But one I am still slightly confused on is the stance on Brexit now. Because it seemed to me, and um, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed to me as if like um, they're saying that basically like Brexit has happened and like the core the core bits of, of what would be negotiated is like again is a non-starter, which is quite a quite a far far away than where we were maybe like two years ago. And I always think that like when it comes to like dealing with policy like Brexit, I think it should allow itself for more nuance. Mm. So um, when it comes to like the British public now, and of course, like you have to be careful with the messaging because I understand that like various ways of the, of the population who still want to have their Brexit result respected, but I don't understand why it doesn't why it doesn't lend itself for a bit more nuance to say that like we've left the EU that will that that that's got that's what's going to happen that's going to be in the future, but why can't we have like a more open discussion? about different things, about the customs union, about the single market, about things like that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's kind of where we've got to now in our position, which is that it's clearly not worked for the last three years um, and yeah. the Conservatives have 
but made a real mess of it. You can just look at the situation in Northern Ireland um, uh, just to see how it's been messed up. There's also, we never actually negotiated the financial bit of, so, um, of, of the Brexit negotiations. That was never resolved. No. So, I think Labour's conversation now is make Brexit work. Okay, we've left the European Union, um, but leaving it doesn't mean that we also, you know, like tear chunks of our economy. That we have to do what's right by the economy, and that means looking at, for example, sector deals on like workforces. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, what one of the big things that we've lost was like seasonal fruit pickers, for example. That was a big thing, um, and actually looking at the gaps in the economy that we need, you know, immigration for. Um, and 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 dealing with that way, so th- that that's broadly Labour's stance is is that okay? This clearly hasn't worked. We're going to have to go back and and make it work. And whether that's you know renegotiating aspects of the Brexit deal, um, or it's introducing policies like you know workforce deals, then then I think the Labour Party is in a position to to say that's what we should do to make it work for our for our economy. I hear what you're saying. Me being a lay person, I've sometimes that sometimes that isn't always translated to me. I guess like on mm. the ground. So yeah, I think I would have liked to. That's it. I would like to hear a bit more, like that, a bit more strongly. I yeah, guess. I agree. I agree with you. I, I think we just need to be clearer with that. And I think as we go towards the next election, I think we'll get clearer on policy. At the moment, what you see is kind of top level lines, which is just you know kind of you know we're going to do this, but none of the least. I think that 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 is developed in time. But yeah, yeah as, as I said, we're definitely not there yet. Yeah, manifesto. Well, that is. I, well, that is. Well, I'd say that is good strategy. Um, I think that, well, I mean, like I said, far outside looking in, it seems though that's like a very clear, like a, quite a clear strategic point that um, that Keir Starmer and the rest of the um, Labour Front ventures are doing. So like when it comes nearer to the time, then um, then those specific things or policy that you want to introduce or do later. But the, I think there's been like really good, like you mentioned before, about the House of Lords, um, when it was the Labour Party conference and Keir gave his speech, I thought that it gave you more room for hope than it did before. Yeah. So, yeah. So all of those things are great. Yeah, I agree. It was one of the speeches where you sit there, you're like, oh, I'm really actually, I'm excited about the future. I can see what we're going to do. And you could t- you could see in his like in his conference speech delivery as well, that he has grown, grown in conf- confidence as well. Um, mm. That, you know, I think you always... If when he was elected, everyone was like, "It's a two-term job." You know, you're not going to win the next election, but you know, it's it's nice that you're trying. Um, but he's he's managed to change it around, and it it is a bit more positive when you like. I was in the room, I was on the front row for the conference uh, mm-hmm. speech, and it, there was a real buzz. I mean, I literally had to sit down afterwards just to just to calm my nerves. Too much adrenaline. <laughs> I, bet, yeah, I bet there was. Just, want, just wanted to go knocking on doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet there was. So. Yeah, um, one another one another reason why I particularly wanted to have you on the podcast is just kind of to talk through kind of like just this year and this year in general. But I think this year has been really crazy, and like I said uh, uh, in the beginning, that it's kind of like now even people who aren't interested in it, politics is like in their daily lives. In that, I was wondering, like, if you could sum up the whole year twenty twenty two yourself, how would you how would you characterize it? Um, I'd say it's been good for the Labour Party, but bad for the country um, overall. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was only what a couple of months ago that Boris was kicked out, you know, kicked, dragging and screaming out of yeah. out of Ten Downing Street. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what is cause for optimism is that people 
are now aware of what they've done for the last 12 years. Uh, it's very yeah. clear that the blame lays at their feet. But, you know, you've got strikes at the moment in more or less every industry. There's probably going to be more in the new year as well. You've got a cost of living crisis as well, which, you know, we're all seeing it on all of our bills and how much of that is going up. And and time and time again, what you've seen is just conservative policies that don't really work for working people. But what I've been quite proud to see is that Labour Party growing confidence. You see Rachel Reeves, who was our shadow chancellor, growing in confidence, yeah. engaging with business. You know, got Jonathan Reynolds, who's our shadow business secretary as well, who is meeting with businesses every day to understand you know, the issues that they're facing. And I'm glad what we're doing now is, and yeah, there have been some policy announcements, but there's been a lot more listening, I think. And that's that's been a good thing, understanding what voters are concerned about, yeah, understanding how, you know, waiting times in the NHS is affecting people in social care, for example. Um, and it, it's been optimistic in that way. And I think people are now seeing that Labour have a plan and a vision. Um, there were also a number of by-elections, for example, Wakefield was one that yes. Labour gained back. So you can yeah. tell that, you know, there is there is still hope um, that, there, that that those seats that we lost to the Conservatives uh, in 2019 are coming back. But for me, I've one thing that I've also quite enjoyed is our policies on green green announcements. We've seen we've had one of the hottest summers this this year. Um, and actually addressing the climate emergency is going to be hugely important. You know, we saw floods in Pakistan, which barely got any coverage, actually. Um, yeah. And the fact that I think at the moment, there's still large parts of Pakistan that are underwater. These are becoming daily realities, the the climate change, the climate that we're living in and the and mm-hmm. global warming. Um, mm-hmm. I think the more we see it, the more people are aware to it, the more we can we can actually come together and and do something about it. And the most optimistic thing is actually seeing young people being energized by um the, the by by our green policies but also climate change and and them coming up with answers to it and actually challenging government challenging businesses um to say that you're not doing enough and and let's do more so that's been it's been a it's been a weird year every year since 2016 i think politics is going to get a little bit more dull and a little bit more boring and we're just going to crack on with doing actual work but every yeah. year it seems to throw back <laughs> 50 yeah. different uh 50 different other problems but yeah absolutely yeah that I think that politics should be boring. Mm, agree. Um, yeah, it's. I think so. I uh, an analogy I use with my uh, like with my friends or anybody else who like I ask. I always say that there are like two 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 aspects to it. There's like government, so that is like I said, and um, dealing with the issues of the day. That is coming up with policies that will help different aspects of the country work. And then there be the politics side of it. So there's a political theatre. There's um, there's elections. There's um what prime minister's questions. There's like um the what um interviews, what the disastrous interviews that these trusted, for instance. That's politics to me, and mm. that is what I think there's been way, way too much of yeah. this year. The theatre's been too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's been exhausting. If I had, yeah, if I had to describe it in in one word, I'd say two twenty twenty two has been a year of exhaustion. Yeah. a year of like of scandals. A year of like of just like complete volatility, not only like like not only in the conservative government, but in like with our economy, with our cost of living crisis on now, and it's just yeah. At the end of it, yeah, I just can't wait till the back of the year. Just so I feel like you can reset after that, can't you? 
yeah, fingers crossed. And hopefully the new year doesn't start off to how we did with this year. But I was remembering, I was doing a little quiz today um, about like 2022 and politics. And I just, I'd completely forgotten about most of it. But like things like, you know, when Boris wanted to have his wedding in Chequers before he left. Yeah, before, yeah, he went, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that he wanted to pay £150,000 to uh, to build a, a treehouse for his son. There's just yeah. so many things that happened that you could just completely forget. Yeah. yeah. MP literally had to resign because they were watching porn in like the chamber. Yeah, you can't write any of this. It's just like this is none yeah. of this is normal. Um, so I completely agree with you. There's been far too much of it. But I think what that and this is a bad thing collectively. Like in terms of think have done all these scandals and all these uh, events to discredit politics when actually there are some good people in politics. Actually, I think most people in politics from all sides are in it for the right reasons. I think they come in, they, you know, they have, the Conservatives have a different view of the world to me, but I think the vast majority of them are there to change the world how they see it. Um, yeah. And, and and you know, to, to, to change it. But, you know, we disagree with how they do it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, keeping up the hope has been hard this year, to say the least. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. And I guess, yeah, when, um, like, when Liz Truss won the, uh, like, won the Conservative leadership, I think every I think everyone could see, well, most people, most like political pundits could see that like it wasn't gonna be good for the country, it wouldn't be good for good for the economy. I don't think people really understood how like how disastrous it would be. Yeah. And like like I said, like I would consider myself a lay person and I was suddenly like researching what like, interest rates were. I've never ever had such an interest in the Bank of England before. Or yeah, or um, rate or raising rates, quantitative easing, all these financial terms, which like had never been a part of my life, like um, what well, even months before now was. I think the Conservatives have always been so. If you go back to Dave Cameron, they've always kind of cloaked themselves as you know the compassionate Conservatives, and you kind of see whenever they, and their compassion is basically you know, you know we might take the money away from you, but at least we'll be nice about it. Um, yeah, that that that's basically the, the approach that's been. You see, it's all different conservative to that in Theresa May and obviously she went to lose her majority you saw it again in kind of Boris being this kind of entertaining uh, chap but talking about leveling up and 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 other things that he's going to do for the country and he went back to Lish Trust which classic conservative you know tax cuts for the rich you know mm. more burden on the poor and that didn't work because fundamentally I think our system um, isn't a system doesn't tolerate extremes or extremists uh, really well yeah and the fact that she just thought she could just walk in and just you know throw a grenade into what is basically the economy um mm -hmm. i think showed you that no one was going to accept and i think what's happened now is because people are a bit more aware of politics people getting in touch with their mps is hugely important because if you're a conservative mp and you've got a five thousand majority which is nothing really yeah. and you've got 200 people contacting you about something that's going to change their mind because at the end of the day they want to keep their seat and um and that's important to them so i think what well, she was enabled by some extremists who wanted to, you know, completely who uh, all hung up on the Thatcher days and the fact that they didn't change the country enough in their opinion, um, and they wanted to break up the economy, you know, go back to kind of traditional conservative values, and the country wasn't going to tolerate it. And and I think that's a good thing about politics these days. We're a lot more aware to it. You know, people have become activists uh, and through no, no, no fault of their own, you know, they've been forced to actually take up issues. But that's only a good thing, in my opinion. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, I, I do agree with that to some extent. I just wish it didn't have to, it, I wish yeah. it didn't have to get so bad for it, for it 
to turn out this way. Is it sixty-five so, billion pounds that uh, in of of uh, was it was a thirty billion pounds a gap that he she created just by that yeah. budget? It's yeah. just just mad. How how someone can do that and just get away with it? And it's um there was a there's been there's a new book that's been that's just been uh, published by Harry Cole and James Hill. Um, uh, I think I think it's called All Out Blue. Um, all out of the blue. Um, about Liz Truss and her time and her parting words for her staff was like, "Well, at least I've been prime minister now," which just tells you that you know she yeah. wasn't in it for the politics; she was in it for the personal, and and that's when it always goes wrong because politics is tough. When you're making decisions, mm. it's tough, and um, you know, if you're not thinking about this in what's best for the country and you're thinking about what your legacy is going to be, that's always where the downfall of politicians and prime ministers comes. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, moving, moving on slightly, I guess I'd be interested to find out a bit more about you. Like, um, what's really what's really made you kind of want to be so forward and so out there? Like, I've been on your um, on your Twitter. Yeah, um, so what did it motivate you that want to really put yourself out there and really be, like, I'd say part of, like, uh, one of the biggest forces, like, Labour kind of forces that I've seen in, like, the social media spaces? Yeah, and my Twitter mentions are never great. So I, I wouldn't search that because it's just yeah. Give it but um, for me, it was so my my parents are Somali, um, and they came to this country as refugees, and um, you know, they weren't a political family. Um, I kind of always say I didn't grow up in politics. You know, my mum wasn't a councillor, none like none, nothing like that. And you know, for them, the last Labour government massively changed their lives. Um, you know, that I remember. You know, I, my parents were earning before before um, the last Labour government were earning something like £1.20 an hour like legally because there was no national mm-hmm. minimum wage and just mm-hmm. the introduction of that and you know the the changes to benefits for example tax credits that the last Labour government brought in meant that that, that was the difference between my parents having an extra meal a day that was the difference between you know having not having to worry about you know the school uniform ripping because you know you've got a little bit in the bank to to potentially afford another another set so for me it was just looking at that and then look at what the country what's happened to the country so i joined the lay party in 2015 um, mm-hmm. off the back of the general election loss because i thought you know there's no point moaning moaning about this um i'm going to get involved for me tuition fees were a big thing um it nearly prevented me from going to university um but i did in the end and you know saddled with debt for it um and for me it was just that lack of compassion from the conservatives meant i thought i need to do something about it and for me getting involved in the lay party was probably the most important thing and not just talking about it just doing it in fact just like you in 2015 i voted for jeremy corbyn to be a labor leader and um, uh changed my mind after that uh, six months after that that um i was really interested in just like actually helping people and I thought the best way to help people is electing a Labour government. And, um, you know, for me, it was just that activism um, and uh, knocking on doors, speaking to people, understanding people's issues. I'm a really, I'm a, people, I'm a people's person, I guess. And, you know, politics is all about the people. And um, I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed going campaigning in like parts of the country you're never going to go back to, like Cumbria or other yeah. parts. You know, as a Londoner, you know, obviously the stereotype is that we don't, <laughs> we don't leave London and um, yeah. it's a fair one. But uh, going to different parts of the country, speaking to different people, for me, is just one of the most fascinating things you can do. Um, and so I've enjoyed that. And yeah, so for me, politics is is essential. You know, my 
my rights as someone who's LGBT as well, for example, um, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen right across the world the assault on LGBT rights at the moment. And mm -hmm. the fact that by the flick of a pen, by someone being elected tomorrow, could change those rights, that it motivates me. And it, it reminds me and my colleagues not to be complacent um, and the importance of activism and the importance of, you know, always breaking down barriers and actually getting more people involved. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. So from 2015, like I said, we both started to jump caught up in. I think it, uh, it's fair for me to say that it took me a lot longer to see the light than you. But um, that never mind, that's by the by. <laughs> but um, one of the reasons why I did uh, vote for him the first time around, because I thought that he was the only candidate who was really strongly campaigning against anti for anti-austerity. And um, austerity before had just such a huge, like, such a huge impact on, on me and my family. So I, um, as you probably tell, I'm a, a millennial, so I grew up in the, in the new Labour housing days, as one of my friends like to call it. Then after the recession, like uh, my mum worked, I don't call it that anymore, but my mum worked in the third sector. Um, so um, as a youth worker working in, um, in like really underprivileged communities in our whole town of Birmingham. And after that, after the recession and when austerity started, like all the funding got pulled, the charity had mm. to close. And um, like even on a on like a day to day basis, like our median income, the household income, like went down by more than half. Mm. And so it made it really, really, really difficult, or really much more difficult for us to live, like just to do the day to day as it did before. So that is kind of what piqued my interest in um in the Labour Party then. And then since that time, it feels like it's just been like one battle after the other, to be, to be honest with you. Um, we had, what, the referendum not go well, where everybody talked about that. We had, what, it seems like just an inability on like all sides of the, of the Labour Party to be singing from one hymn sheet. Mm. And so now when, I, when I'm looking at looking back at now, like all these years later, what, coming on to, what, seven years after I first um, cast that ballot for, for Jeremy Corbyn, I do see some hope uh, for the Labour Party. Mm, I do. Yeah. I, I'm completely honest with you. I've not, or I haven't always been sold by Keir Starmer. That's just me personally. Um, I think um, in 2020, beginning of the of um, COVID, and the third issues that I had with him, especially the way he spoke, way he spoke in um, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, and yeah. it it kind of turned me off the party a little bit. No, you're making a fair point. I think the, the Labour Party and black representation, there's always been a problem there. And it's fair to say that because it exists and you can't solve a problem unless you are brutally honest with yourself about it. For example, like the Labour Party has not selected a black man for a safe or winnable seat since 2011 for a parliamentary seat. Yeah. Um, that, that was the last time the Labour Party did. We've only got three black male MPs. Tories, I think, have double that. I think they have six yeah. um, uh, or around that number. So there's a lot more to do. Keir does give me hope in some ways. You know, he worked on the Stephen Lawrence case as well. And Jareen yeah. Lawrence is one of his big backers. I think uh, May 2020 was still, he was still really new to the job. I remember there was a bit of a stumbling. Uh, he, he called it a moment, I think, um, yeah. the Black Lives Matter um, protest. Um, and I think since then, I think he's been a lot stronger on it. Um but the party needs to improve black representation. It's hugely important. Um, and there's no there's no beating around the brush about that. And one of the things we're doing that we agreed actually 
at an NEC meeting, which was my first one, um, was that we would have a training program for that that um, called the Bernie Grant program, which we'd done before, we did in 2019, but this time to uh, make it exclusively for black members to mm -hmm. improve that representation in local government, in regional and national, but to also give people support. The thing is, the Labour Party is also representative of the country and you, you're going to get people who have odd views on different things all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's making sure that our members, our black members are getting on, being selected, then being elected in all sorts of positions, but also then have the the, the support um, there so that, so that they can make change as well. Because, you know, there's no point in representation if representation doesn't change things and fundamentally breaks down barriers. Um, yeah. So there's a lot more for the party to do. I think the party's conscious of it. Um, and that's why we are taking steps to do that. But yeah, look, it's not perfect. Um, but, you know, we are we are getting there. But there's a lot more to do. There's a lot more to do. But the good thing I see internally is that there's goodwill from all sides to, yeah. to sort the party out and to yeah. improve that representation. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I do have hope in, in that sense. Yeah, I guess you mentioned the whole like um, the I'd I'd call it a public gas or the whole Black Lives Matter being a, a moment, not a movement thing. Mm. I what I personally would say like obviously I don't think that Keir Starmer I, by any means is a racist person. I don't and I think that was like a mistake, I like a like sort of like a slip of the tongue kind of mm. thing, a mistake that a mistake in phraseology that was made. But I think that kind of I think him making that mistake was kind of a bit useful because that kind of made me think it's like it's like the tipping point like the turn of the edge it's what i what made a lot of black voters that i that i talked to quite skeptical about the labor party mm. i mean um, that was also the time when in bristol there was the issue with the colston statue which um, yes. he went yeah she went on on radio and said that like it was totally wrong that they should have um, that the people who took down the statue should have um, could have got permission on, and of course, like questions like that are 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 difficult one because there is yeah. the issue that the law has been broken, but again, there's just a bit more, there was a bit more nuance that was lacking in um, in his response to that, and in the response from like I said from the rest of from the rest of Labour front benches that was that was missing for a while. I think the tide. I hope the tide is turning now. But for a while, it was hard for me to like to look at like other black people in the face and tell them you need to vote for Labour because they have your best interests at, at heart. Yeah, and that was a hard that was a hard pill to swallow for a while. I don't think that's necessarily such a case now. Yeah, it's also I think we need to continue challenging. Um, yeah. and this is the thing about you know kind of activism, isn't it? The thing is, you know, when I got elected to the Labour National Executive, my first job wasn't to just sit down there and think, oh, great, I'm here now. My, yeah. my, my point is, who are the next black men that are going to come after me? Who are going to join the National Executive? You know, looking at the trade unions, for example, you know, the trade unions, um, if we're honest with each other, uh, the majority of people that hold like big political roles are all white, all white men, and, yeah. and mostly men as well. Um, yeah. So actually challenging that as well and pushing for more representation in every part of the Labour movement. And that's the thing, you, we, can't put, take, we can't take our foot off the pedal with these things yeah. um, and at the end of the day allies are just allies and it you have to keep re-educating them and you know making them people that support you but also people that understand like what where you're coming from and actually will support you when you're when you're saying something so I think it's 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 important to continue because we're never get, we're not gonna solve racism at the next election 
Um, mm. But there's a lot more things that we can do uh, that 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 Labour Party can do to improve race relations in this country. The one thing we have been doing uh, is coming up with the Race Relations Act. So Doreen Lawrence is currently uh, leading on this, and this is mainly to look at all of the disparities that the uh, COVID nineteen brought up in terms mm. of um, race equity and uh, making sure we are improving that. So you know, COVID massively disproportionately affected black people in education in healthcare in 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 their jobs in their businesses and looking at how we can never allow that to happen again i think is is hugely important but yeah with these things you you can't stop you keep challenging you keep going it's tiring but you have to do it and you know i won't stop talking about it until there is really good representation of black people inside the labor party yeah of course absolutely i do agree with you but yeah, like I said, overall, with yeah. the Labour Party, I do feel more hopeful now than I did even a year ago. So I guess, um, well, we've got a few a few more minutes left. Um, if there was like, if there was anyone who wanted to get more involved in politics themselves, like what would you, what would you do? How would you tell them to um, to get more active? Yeah, so the Labour Party has a lot of other organisations are affiliated to it. We call them uh, the Socialist Society. So you've got let's say you care about environmentalism with the CIRA that exists, for example, which is the um, which is Labour's environmental group. You've got LGBT plus Labour, which is the LGBT plus affiliate to the Labour Party. In fact, I'm also double hatting because I'm, I'm a campaigns officer for them on their committee. So you can get involved in, like, if you want to get involved in the thick policy bit, for example, Labour Party, the Fabian Society exists, or Progressive Britain, for example, Um you know, for women, there's the Labour Women's Network. So there's lots of different groups that you can get involved in. And the good thing about these groups is they create a support network for you. And it's and because those are the support networks that push you to say, well, why don't you stand for this? Well, you're good enough to do this. And if you do want to stand for something, they're the people that will support you and say, good, great. I'm glad you're glad you're doing it. You know, I'll support you. Um, and those groups are really, really the best way to get involved. Another great way to get involved is via the trade unions. You know, if you're in a job and the nine, nine out of 10 times, you're likely going to have a, a trade union that can represent you. Joining them, getting involved um, is is always hugely important for the labor movement. It's the bread and butter of, mm-hmm. of the labor movement. Um, and if not, you can just join the Labour Party ordinarily uh, on the website. Uh, I think it's labour.org.uk uh, forward slash join. I feel like a walking advert for them sometimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and get involved in your local party. So you can do stuff for your local councillors, you know, help out at um, the local party level. That's hugely important if you want to change something for your local community. It can be something from access to the park to potholes. You you name it, there is an issue. If there's an issue you care about, there is definitely 10 more people in the Labour Party that also care about it that you can talk to and make change with. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it's good to join. And, you know, you really feel like you're part of a movement that is changing something. Um, and, you know, if we usher in a Labour government at the next election, then it was it was a job well done. Absolutely. I think like right now it doesn't seem like there's really much more of an option than like I don't think we can the country. I don't think the country will be served by another five years of conservative government. No, so, I can't even doing it. Yeah. So that is like reason enough to try and get more involved and see like, what you can do. And actually, um, when people, sometimes people ask me some, some uh, questions about like, oh, like, what can I do? Or a lot of people tell me that politics is like a bit too grand because obviously like when you got put on the TV and you see Westminster, but to me, like politics is what's in your uh, surrounding area. 
it's um your home it's your neighborhood it's the world that you that um, that you drive on it's the schools your children attends it's like it's those that like those the things that, and if you start there the things that directly affect you and your family people around you and I kind of think the rest of it like falls into place so to speak yeah, I completely agree with you. Everything that you, that aspect of your life is touched by politics. And, and that's what I say, you know, it might be the boring bits, but like the roads, for example, potholes, that a political decision is made whether or not to fill them in. So yeah, it's whatever you care about, they'll definitely a place for you in the Labour Party. So yeah, get involved. Um, And yeah, and I'm on social media, feel free to contact me and um, always happy to give advice to people um, but yeah and you know we need more representation so we need more people to join um, and change that and yeah you can influence issues in the lay party very easily so yeah get involved mm-hmm. um, is there anything else that you want to say uh, before we round off no it's been great thank you very much for having me on uh, as I said to you this is my first ever podcast recording so um, really really looking forward uh, to hearing how it turns out so thank you for having me and hopefully I've answered all your questions I've not swerved anything <laughs> yeah no I, you've answered all my questions great brilliantly so um, I thank you very much Abdi for joining me on the podcast um, if uh, anyone could find you, you know, your links your um, social media is do you want to uh, plug those now yeah so my Twitter is uh, at Abdi Duali that's all one word then underscore Mm-hmm. and that's the best one to get in touch with me i'm always on that app <laughs> yeah um all the all the links will be in the episode notes this show so it'll be there for you but if there's uh, nothing else thank you very much abdi appreciate it thank you ainsley thank you very much for having me thanks again to abdi diwale for joining me on this episode of blackboard Joy podcast i do have to say that's probably one of the more informative ones i've produced in the time so all pop to him I also always forget to give a shout out to Sancha, she is the artist who produced the track you hear, Spook. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. This is Blackboard Joy Podcast, follow me on Instagram at Blackboard Joy Podcast, follow me on Twitter at BLKBoyJoyPod. You can get us anywhere you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave a glowing 5 star review. If you listen on Spotify, just give us that 5 star rating. And if you could like, if you subscribe, you tell your friends. Anyone who could help, anyone who could do anything at all, it's very much appreciated. You can also email any questions, comments to blackboardjoypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. <laughs>